0: Hey everyone, JJ Cooper, Ben Badler here. I guess it's no longer draft day. It's actually day two of the draft, although we're recording this. Uh, we just finished day one of the draft and it's a little after midnight on the East coast as we do this, but we want to do as we always try to do a- after the day one of the draft, we wanted to go through and look at each team's draft, which sorry Astros fans. We, you know, I, I don't have a trash can here to bang to you know explain what happened. You know, everyone knows, but, uh, uh, but we do want to talk about the 29 teams that did pick a, a, a player or players in the first day of the draft. And we're just going to roll through it. We're going to go in order that they were picked, and uh, we, but we'll touch on the supplemental first through that as well. But so we start off at the top, and that's easy enough, because at the top of the draft bin, the Tigers took who we expected they were going to take. They took Spencer Torkelson. And... I would say i not only is that obviously not a surprise, but at the same time, I would also say, um, not a surprise, but, but one that, you know, it's hard not to, to, at least in my opinion, I want to hear yours, but to not feel pretty good about if you're a Tigers fan.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the only surprise is that they announced him at, uh, as a third baseman. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't know if that's probably, it's probably not going to stick long-term. I mean, maybe who knows, uh, you know, but but really i mean you're you're taking him because of the bat um you're 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 hoping that he can develop into a you know a Pete Alonso Paul Goldschmidt that kind of an impact uh bat i mean he has gigantic raw power he has a really strong track record of hitting uh, he has very strong strike zone discipline i mean obviously the bar is really high uh to to be a first baseman and to be a first base prospect and and especially to go number 1 overall but the fact that the Tigers did take him uh, number one overall, I think just is uh, just another indication of, of how talented Spencer Torkelson is. I mean, obviously the Tigers have uh, a ton of pitching in, in their farm system. Love uh, uh, Scooball and Manning uh, and Casey Mize. Uh, so to add Spencer Torkelson that kind of a potential impact, middle of the order masher, uh, you know, unusual, obviously. I uh, It's unprecedented to see a first baseman go 1-1 one, one overall, uh, but you just, you look at Spencer Torkelson, and, and you can see why uh, that kind of an impact player can, can go uh, where he did.
0: And the other thing I'll say is, is if you look at the track record, we've written about this at Baseball America in the past, if you look at the track record of college first baseman taken in the top five picks, it's actually a really good, it's a really productive group. Though the, I think the reasoning being, you have to be exceptionally good as a hitter to be a college first baseman who gets taken 1-1. I know he was selected, announced as a third baseman. For these purposes, I'm sorry, I'm still gonna call him a first baseman because that's where we think he'll end up playing in the majors, but uh, you know, but he is technically the first college third baseman to be taken first overall since so Pat Burrell, which is kind of funny because Pat Burrell literally never played a pro game at third base in the minors or the majors. So. Um, you know, I think, I think that Spencer Torkelson actually will have a little bit more than that, but we didn't have to wait long, Ben, though, for the draft to get really wild and really unusual, really unexpected, because you turn around at pick two, and we don't hear Austin Martin's name, we don't even hear Ace name, we don't hear Nick Gonzalez's name, we hear what's the second pick, Baltimore Orioles select Heston Kierstad, and then they also had a second pick, they picked uh, 30 overall, where they took Mississippi State shortstop Jordan Westburg. So, starting with Kierstead, how surprised were you? Been
1: very. I mean, you know, we, it, we knew that the Orioles were making calls around, trying to, you know, get an underslot deal there. It, it sounded like potentially, if, if they weren't going to uh, go for Austin Martin, uh, but it sounded, you know, I was thinking, all right, well, maybe they'll go for for Zach Veen. Uh, maybe they'll, you know, I I thought they'd probably go for for a hitter, but. Um, yeah, I, I did not I did not expect that that one definitely surprised me.
0: The thing I'll say for though is is that it's not like Kierstead. I, I think kind of the, the floor we figured for Kierstead was somewhere around ten. So clearly that's a player who we weren't projecting to go second overall. He is though he is an, he's an also like we talk about Torkelson. He's a really really good bat. Um, you know, there's there's hitting for average, but really especially with him. It's all field's power. It's from foul pole to foul pole. He's done that. He had 35 homers in basically two and a quarter, not even a quarter seasons at Arkansas. He was a, you know, one of the best players on Team USA last summer, like Spencer, you know, like Spencer Torkelson. Um, it's not like they were taking a guy. This isn't taking a guy who's not even in the, in the discussion for a top five pick. But it is taking a guy, I would expect, he has not signed yet, I would expect when it's all said and done, just kind of, if you think about the leverage, he, he probably signs for a decent bit, I would imagine, less than their full slot. It's interesting, they didn't turn around and, and then sign one of the top you know prep arms who slid or anything like that when they had their uh, supplemental pick at pick 30. Still kind of wonder, though, if that's going to happen tomorrow. Uh, Mike Elias, after the for day one ended, did say that he feels like that they can take, they don't have to worry about signability really on day two. They'll have the, the financial flexibility to do that. And when I hear that, it makes me kind of think, is it going to be a, a Jared Kelly who's still on the board or something like that, or maybe one of the draft eligible sophomore pitchers who have a lot of negotiating leverage, something like that. I would expect that you're going to see them to flex their financial muscle on, on day two. Would, would you, think the same Ben?
1: yeah I I think that's kind of one of the difficulties we run into analyzing the draft like before it's over because like you said they're they're probably shifting around bonus pool money to maneuver to you know they have that 39th overall pick, or they're picking real early they can have their pick of just about anybody
0: and they have Um, more money to spend than tigers who are picking ahead of them so it's not you know it's not even an even yes they pick after the tigers tomorrow but they have more money too.
1: Yeah. So whether it's Jared Kelly or or somebody else, I mean, there's there's a. I'm really looking forward to to day two and seeing which order a lot of these high school arms, especially uh, shake out because there's a lot of them I, I really like on the board. But yeah, I, I suspect we're going to see the Orioles take, uh, um, you know, use some of that bonus pool savings that we're presuming that they're that they they're having from that number two overall pick and then kind of spend it on somebody with that number thirty nine pick early on uh, on day two.
0: Uh, a little bit of a surprise, also at pick three, the Marlins, who who had one pick on day one, the Marlins take Max Meyer, Minnesota right-hander, best slider in the class, a fastball that is a, a high nineties fastball that he can carry uh, through through you know multiple innings through deep into games, but again, Ben, that's another pick that we you know we thought that coming into the draft it would have been not surprised at all. Our expectation was. Berkelson, Austin Martin, Pisa Lacy. Max Meyer at three, again, compare it on the, on the cure stat at two scale, or, you know, we'll get to, uh, you know, at 17, Nick York. This is a a less of a surprise than Nick York, obviously, but, but, uh, but how surprising were you by, uh, by Max Meyer going three overall?
1: So I I was surprised more just because of the information that we were hearing that, you know, everybody seemed to be thinking the Marlins were going to go for Ace Lacey, it it seems like a pretty solid pick there, but um, they went with Max Meyer. But I, you know, I'm not surprised that Meyer was in the mix to to be a top five pick. I mean, I don't think he's out of place there uh, by any means. I mean, like you said, it's it's pretty electric stuff. Fastball, uh, best slider in the draft is a guy who uh, is athletic, has has good command, throws strikes, has the stuff to to miss a lot of bats. He's not that tall, but I don't really think it matters when you have the the kind of stuff he has you're not really trying to project anything on the stuff it's it's already there it's already electric stuff so um yeah pretty excited to see him uh you know him Sixto Sanchez um that's they're they're gonna have a good farm system now
0: I mean this is a farm system that a few years ago we could not say that about but this is now it's a very interesting farm system
1: yeah yeah I mean you know you know you add him and you know Edward Cabrera too some some pretty electric arms I mean Max Meyer, certainly, yeah, I was surprised he went three overall. But on, on talent, I, I don't think he's out of place there.
0: And then at four, I would say to me, the Royals, and I'm going to let you talk about the Blue Jays, but the Royals and Blue Jays are two teams that just came out of this. This draft setup, ended up setting up way better than they could have expected coming into the draft. I, the Royals, it kind of felt like, at least to me, like a three-player draft at the top of the draft with, as we just talked about, Perkelson, Martin, Lacy, and the Marlin, and the Royals were picking four. Well, the Royals are picking four, and at the end of the day, they end up having their choice of Asa Lacy or Austin Martin. They opt to go with Asa Lacey, and then they opt to get a college shortstop, their next pick, because they went Nick Clofton, who you can make an argument is the best uh, college shortstop. We thought he was the best college shortstop in the class. I would say he's kind of a little bit more of a low ceiling, but very high floor kind of guy, which I, I know that you you brought up, you know, that there have been some guys like that who, you know, uh, Logan Warmouth comes to mind as a guy who like. He, yeah, just your so guys
1: playing. who you think are like your safe bag of fives, and then they get into pro Bowl and you're like, uh, the pro scouts see him They're like, some and sometimes very quickly, like in the New York, well, Rest in peace, yeah, probably uh, New York Penn League. But like, yeah. you know, these guys go out into pro ball sometimes, and you're like, is this guy just like fatigued or run down? Or Levi Michael? Uh, yeah, maybe it's just, like what's maybe going it's on. just North
0: Carolina middle infielder. Yeah. So sometimes
1: things. safe is not quite as as safe as as you think. But um, but yeah, I mean, if if he, if, you know, sometimes those guys who are that kind of steady Eddie player too, that you know, who who are those true fives across the board kind of guys, um, you know, end up actually exceeding expectations too but, um, but were, were you I, surprised that the i mean the, the royals have gone so heavy on obviously last year they got bobby witt jr but were you surprised that they went with uh an arm and an ace lacy it, it seems like it's, it's obviously a strength of uh of the system i think for, for yes it, it
0: i think it's absolutely the strength of the system i mean i think that they have way more pitchers right now than they have you know position players besides i mean once you get past bobby witt there's not a whole lot of other position players i like clearly you know, I, I like a couple of their outfielders that they have, but there's not a ton uh, of guys who they have a number of guys who really need to bounce back from from pretty poor seasons, especially that group that was in Wilmington last year. But I, I do think though, I, I'm an Ace Lacey guy. I, you know, I've yeah. made the argument like like again, we try to do consensus. torquil's number one. And I might have gone torque number one at the end of the day. But if you'd told me, like I, I could make an argument that I may believe I might believe that Ace Lace is the number one guy in this class. So you're not gonna hear an argument from me on that because I just think he's that good. I think that I, I think that the stuff's really good. I think also the, the competitiveness, but I also think his control and command, we were seeing this spring that it was better than it's been in the past. And you that's not always in fully indicative in, you know, his number of pitches per at-bat, his walk rate, things like that. I felt like that he kind of – he may nibble a little bit at times. Maybe that's something that they're calling, you know, at A&M. But it was nibbling like with intent. It's like he would get up on a guy and he would throw a pitch just off the plate to see if he could get a guy to chase. Guy didn't chase, gave a good at-bat. Okay, well, you finish him off on the next pitch or the pitch after that. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm i I'm very much a fan of Lacey at – Four, and I'm—I feel very comfortable in saying without even consulting on this in advance. But I'm guessing that you're feeling the same way about Austin Martin going to the Blue Jays at five. Who, by the way, did announce him at shortstop, which, although much like uh, Spencer Torkelson, I think that we could best describe it as, in his case, versatile hitter will figure out the defensive position long term.
1: Yeah, I mean, like we—we we, we were so convinced the whole time that Torkelson was going to go. One, one, but at the same time, you know, what's like if another team had been picking number one overall, I think there's a pretty decent chance. Somebody would have taken Martin number one overall. I mean, I think he's at least in that conversation. I don't think it would have been out of place if somebody had taken him first overall and here the blue Jays are picking at five. I was thinking, you know, are they going to go for uh, college pitching with like Max Meyer or, or maybe an outfield, you know, some up a, a bat like you know, like Zach Veen, a high school outfielder, uh, and then you know, Martin's on the board. I mean, I, I think the Blue Jays are going to be ecstatic to get a guy who, you know, we had you know, number two overall in the BA five hundred. Again, could easily have fit even higher uh, than that. It wouldn't have looked out of place. And and to get him at at five overall, I know the you know the Blue Jays, the strength of the Blue Jays. I was going to say farm says, you know because Vlad and Club now. are already up now and Guriel too. I mean the, the young nucleus of hitters they have is really exciting and the pitching they have is you know other than Nate Pearson is is the opposite of that. So they do need pitching um, but to to have a player like Martin, I mean yeah you know like you said they announced so much shortstop. Obviously they have Bo shed and, and they have you know Groshans and Orelvis Martinez uh, in the minor leagues, who, you know, both those guys. And could, they've got would, hitters. Yeah, move off the position. So they've they've got, you know, at least shortstops in, in name only who will probably move around the field. But uh, to get a guy like like Austin Martin at, at five overall, I think the Blue Jays are, are just uh, elated tonight.
0: I, I do wonder long-term. You know, there's been a lot of talk about him also. He played more center field this year at Vanderbilt than he did in any other position. Didn't play shortstop this year. Played third base to start the season moved very quickly to center field, played there primarily, you know, for the last like two weeks before the season was shut down. I, I look at the Blue Jays and I look at their outfield versus their infield. And I kind of wonder, I, you know, position fit wise it may make sense for him long-term to end up in their outfield,
1: not yeah, just or, because
0: he can do it, but because they kind of might need it.
1: Yeah. Or, or as much as I love Vlad Jr. too, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if he's gonna stay at third base for that long. I think early in his career, okay, maybe, but like you know, you could put him at first base and and have Martin play third base. Uh, yeah, maybe although I think I mean, be there. Yeah, he, he, you've got a lot of different options with him, so I, I think to be able to uh, to get him at five, they've they've got to be very happy right now.
0: Mariners take Emerson Hancock at six. Um, again, like I, I talked to a scout last year. I remember who's like. Saul Hammons Hancock, you know, wasn't even his area. He was like, yeah, this guy looks like one, one pick to me. And he didn't have as dominant a first few starts his junior year, but he seemed like he was just starting to kind of get on that roll again, uh, right before everything shut down. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a very much a fan of this pick. I I've, guys, there are going to be picks that we weren't as much fans of, but the top of this draft was really good, and so. So, you know, Hancock slotted very naturally at six. I, I think he also fits very well. They have, you know, if you look at the Mariners, they have kind of the, the two-headed outfield uh, monster of Jared Koenig, Julio Rodriguez.
1: Emerson That's Hancock
0: amazing. is the guy who can move, you know, pretty quickly. And so now they're starting to have this kind of nucleus that may all arrive somewhat together, which is kind of encouraging to think of, you know, in, if you're in Seattle. Same way, you know, we've talked about guys falling. Uh, ben, I think if you're, if you're the Pirates, the idea coming into the night of getting Nick Gonzalez is probably, uh, probably seemed like it, it was asking maybe even a little bit much, but here they are, pick seven, the, uh, the Pirates do get Nick Gonzalez. Turn around also, Cameron, uh, Carmen Mazinski Maliz- 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 uh, in the supplemental round as well, the uh, South Carolina pitcher. But, but Nick Gonzalez I know you love, you love hit tools. Uh, What do you think about Nick Gonzalez's hit tool?
1: Yeah. I, he, he, he's my kind of guy. I mean, yes, just, he
0: checks the the Ben Badler boxes.
1: He's a, he's a pure hitter who's not like the prettiest athlete or anything like that. But this guy, I mean, yeah, it's like New Mexico state. It's not the SEC. Uh, You know, the, the numbers are going to be inflated because of the, you know, the, the extreme hitting environment that, that he plays him but you know you su- to still go to you know I think what is he like a 400 career hitter or, or close to it I think um in college went to the cape faced some of the best you know players in the country the best competition out there uh and dominated out there and you know so you, you see the performance record you see just just visual like you're looking at the swing okay plenty of bat speed a really efficient swing he it's a, it's an adjustable kind of swing he can hit you know, all, all quadrants of the strike zone, really good plate coverage. He's not going to have much, much swing and miss. And, and we've seen, you know, we saw power from him with, with wood bats on, on the Cape. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's, I don't think he's going to play shortstop. I think he's going to be second, a second baseman, but uh, this guy is just an absolute hitting machine. If if you're the pirates, you know, Ben Charrington, you know, your, your first draft, you, you have a top 10 pick. I'm not surprised. I mean, with a, uh, you know, a college hitter and to get a college hitter with the track record that, that Nick Gonzalez has. I mean, he, you know, the Heston Cura comps get, get thrown around on, on him that I think are, are fair. I think he's going to be that kind of offensive second baseman who, uh, who's going to hit a lot and, and hit with some power, too.
0: And I think more defensive value than, uh, you know, Keston here coming yes. out of college. those questions about how he could throw. and uh, You don't have those. The question with Nick Gonzalez is, can he play short? That's a that's a that's a better question to have. Twelve home runs this year uh, to easily. I mean, he didn't just lead Division One, you know, in the very short season. He led it, and there was a gap. I mean, it was something where he had a a pretty uh, monstrous start to the uh, very short twenty twenty season.
1: Yeah, and I just don't see I just don't see many holes in in his swing either. Too. So as you know, as he faces better pitching, I just don't see why it wouldn't translate. As he, as he keeps moving up the ladder. So I, I was pretty excited by that pick for, uh, for the Pirates.
0: So we had, at that point, we had had seven college players taken to start the draft. First time that's ever happened in MLB draft history, the over 50 years now of MLB draft history, and 55, I guess now, yeah. And, but, uh, but that finally, that streak finally stopped. And you know what? Picking the Padres to be a team to stop that streak is a pretty good one to do a j. Preller and uh, and and the entire Padre's staff are are definitely a group that that likes their upside. They've done a good job with that of, of finding guys with tools and and uh, projectability and all. And they went with Robert Hassel, outfielder, uh, you know, the first high school bat off the board, arguably pretty strong argument, best high school hitter in the class. Um, and then they turn back around, and we talk about projectability. Well, Justin Lang doesn't need projectability. He's a high school guy already throws hundred and two. So they take him in the supplemental first round, which is um, a, I would say, present, very present high octane fastball at, at, with their second pick. But I do think Hassel, we thought through long, you know, that there was likely that this, this, this would be the case, that Hassel would go to the Padres here. You know, they're building kind of a second wave. They've now got most of their, their very deep farm system. They've, they've started to graduate those guys. And, you know, there's a lot of talk sometimes of, oh, you got to keep that up. Well, they're building the second wave. They've, they've got Mackenzie Gore almost there. They're, they've got, you know, C.J. Abrams they took last year. They, they like their high school guys. And Hassel fits very well with that. The thing that, you, you know, that you, you can't help but love, and I'm going to kick it to you on this a little bit too, because, again, you love hit tools. A guy like Hassel... And who, by the way, he feels like he has present power, and we have a story up at baseballamerica.com, him talking about how inspired he is to prove to everyone that he has present power. But when you have these hit-first high school guys with some projectability left, a lot of times the best ones end up having a whole lot of power down the road, don't they, Ben?
1: Yeah, I mean, you think of like uh, you know, you've even seen out of college, like you know, well, I was gonna say Alex Bregman. I'm sure there's gonna be uh, <laughs> different thoughts on on him right now, but you know, these guys shoot especially with the baseballs now which is another factor but you know if you get to the barrel a lot as you as you get stronger if you keep finding that barrel um, you're gonna run into uh, you got a chance at least to run into uh, some surprising power and then kind of exceed those projections is part of why I like those hit first guys like like Robert Hassel an, another guy you know different than the Nick Gonzalez as far as a track record he, he hasn't done it against college guys but you know you can't ask for much better of a track record for uh, for a high school hitter, whether it's uh, you know high school season, summer, or Team USA, uh, everywhere this guy has gone, he's hit. And then you know you watch him, you line it up with with the uh, with what you're seeing. Another guy where it's 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 very very hitterish qualities with him. It's it's just so smooth, so easy, uh, very calm, very relaxed, and balanced uh, in the box. Just a lot of. A lot of barrels which you know like you said if, if you keep finding those uh barrels you can run into some more power it's not like he's a slap hitter by the way or no. i don't mean to and, but the other thing is, is like that
0: but the other thing is is he's he's uh he's a teenager right now yeah like just literally normal maturation again these are very driven athletes who again there are every now and then you have someone carlos tochi comes to mind who had a much slighter frame i'm
1: very yeah, very different.
0: <laughs> right. But I'm saying, but there are guys like Carlos Tochi who don't care how much you can, you know, can hit. He had some feel to hit. He just couldn't ever put on weight. He literally could not put on muscle. That's not going to be the case. But most guys, you take them from 18, you turn around and see what they are at 24. And not surprisingly, they're a whole lot bigger. They're a whole lot more physical. I expect that's something that we'll see with Robert Hassel. But and then the high school bats, you know, we, we kept on that train because – Zach Veen, who had been rumored to go, you know, potentially significantly higher than this. But the, the Rockies get Zach Veen at pick nine and then turn around with their supplemental first-round pick, pick 35, and they get Drew Romo. Um, I, I want your thoughts on Veen, then I'll share some of my thoughts on, on Romo.
1: I, I love this pick for the Rockies. I mean, I, I think the Rockies have to be ecstatic to get, you know, we had Veen. I was, I was curious to see how this group of high school outfielders – going to shake out between Veen, Robert Hassel, Pete Crow Armstrong, Austin Hendrick. Uh, It seemed like the consensus was that Veen was the, you know, just a cut above the rest of those guys, just a combination of uh, the size, the power, uh, the hit ability, which, you know, not quite as good uh, as a pure hitter compared to to Robert Hassel, but just overall, um, I mean, you look at this guy, six foot five, really easy swing big power athletic I mean you you watch him swing it it does look like Cody Bellinger I'm not saying he's going to go out and and win an MVP I'm not guaranteeing that but um it's it's the kind of elite hitting actions um and and attributes and power um that you see from the the high school hitters who go at at the very top of the draft I mean if he had gone number two overall I, I would not have been uh completely shocked. I mean, this is the kind of guy who could be a top five overall pick to get uh, a, a player like Zach Veen um, down at, uh, you know, at, at number nine. If I'm, if I'm the Rockies, I'm, I'm very happy with that one.
0: So the Rockies then also take Drew Romo, who by absolute acclamation is the top defensive catcher, especially high school catcher in this class. There's zero doubt about that. He's really good behind the plate. I'm a little worried on this pick, though. And I hope, it, I, hope I am, I, again, we root for prospects. I hope I'm wrong. But I am not a, a fan on day one of taking a high school catcher whose bat is the question. Um, you know, when we look at it, the, the track record of high school catchers in the 2010s, top five round picks, is a, is a pretty poor one already. If you look at first and supplemental first round picks, we did this data, I think I tweeted it out, or I think it was in our burning questions uh, piece uh, that was up at Baseball America on Wednesday. Uh, we talked about, if you look at it from 2010 to 2015, like I don't want you know, the, the guys were taken in 2018, if you're a high school catcher, you haven't had a chance to show what you can do yet. But 2010 to 2015, the only catcher, and there were a number of them taken, a large number taken, in the first step along the first round. But the only one of those to catch 20 games with the team that drafted him uh, was Blake Swihart. And there are a number of these players, a number of these catchers who never made the majors. I, I just think it's – it's catching's hard. If you're already starting out where there's some questions about your bat, it's going to be even harder to me. And so that's, that's just to me, you know, why I have questions about that pick. Again, I would – I hope I am wrong. I will – Happily be wrong on that. But that, that one did concern me a little bit. The Angels, we roll around to a pick 10. The Angels take Reed Deppers, the, uh, one of the most polished players, pitchers, you know, or just overall players in this class. One of the guys who maybe one of the faster movers. you know, Ben, do you like that pick there for the Angels? Or are you thinking, would you have preferred, you know, if you were them, would you like to see a little, maybe a little higher ceiling with a little more risk?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think so. If I was, you know, in a vacuum, if I was picking there, I, I mean, and maybe we'll we'll get to Pete Crow Armstrong a little bit later. Um, you know, I I I really am high on him. There's probably some other guys I would have gone with, but like, yeah, I get it for the Angels. Like, obviously, the strength of their system right now is, uh, or the entire organization, and I guess we'll include Mike Trout in that. Obviously, is uh, is outfielder. So yes. I, you know, I I know you're not drafting for need, but I, you know, I, you know, I, I certainly can see where. I get it. Yeah, yeah, I can certainly see where Reed Detmers would be the top player on uh, on the board for for the Angels. I mean, he he fits for I think he fits really well uh, for them. You have you know you have Adele, you have Marsh. That's kind of the the crown jewels of of your system, and and they're coming soon. And uh, I think you know Detmers is a uh, he's polished college left-hander. Um, I don't think he's gonna need too much time in uh, in the minor leagues. Obviously, things are a little bit uh, screwy this year, but. Um, but yeah, I, I think he 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 doesn't surprise me there uh, for for them. I I'm talking about this one because
0: I'm a I'm a I'm a Garrett Crochet guy. I just think that if if there's a guy who's taken in the teens this year who we look back five years from now and we go, how did that guy last to the teens? To me, Garrett Crochet is that guy. Um, I can explain right now in 2020 why he was still available in the teams. He doesn't have a whole long, a very long track record of starting. He missed his first three starts this season because of what was uh, turned a minor shoulder injury. Uh, didn't get cut on. Return. Kind of to the mound. Have an oxymoron. Yeah. But, but return to the mound. And I was going to say, the way he threw makes a strong argument that he is okay because his stuff was exceptional, but admittedly for three innings. Team's got three innings this this spring before everything shut down. There were three really good innings, I will note. His fall ball was really good as well. I just think he is a brutally tough at bat, especially for lefties, but for right-handed hitters as well. I think you know. Again, I don't want to say he's Chris Sale because he comes from a similar arm slot, although he comes from a similar arm slot. Um, I just think, just looking at what Garrett Crochet is right now, you're not asking to project a whole lot with him. You're just asking to maintain kind of a lot of the present stuff he has, because the present stuff he has is major league caliber stuff. I, you know, I am a very much a fan of, of that pick for the White Sox at 11. I think he fits very well in a pretty rapidly rebuilding club that if we ever get back on the field, we'll get to see if, uh, if the rebuild has shifted into uh, contention time here, but that kicks us down to pick number 12, with the Reds, and the Reds take Austin Hendrick. So we have our third high school bat uh, off the board in in five picks there, Ben. And Hendrick had some of the best power in the class. And I think that's probably, a, a, you know, absolutely his calling card, I, I think.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, some guys it takes a little bit, you have to see them play over time to really, really appreciate how talented they are. Whereas with Austin Hendrick, I think if you just watch any of our video of him swinging the bat in PP uh it it the bat speed jumps out it is absolutely vicious uh bat speed he has extremely fast hands uh like you said best best raw power in in the high school class and um you know he's not like a thin wiry guy but I could see him you know we've got him with 70 raw power now I don't think it's – I don't necessarily know that he gets there, but I don't think it's out of the question that as he gets stronger, uh, that, that raw power could even tick up uh, even more. He's, you know, 19 years old. There's, there's still room for him to uh, get a little bit stronger. When, when I see the bat speed and power he has now, um, it's, it's pretty electric. If everything clicks for him, yeah, you're looking at a, a 40 home run potential upside kind of guy uh the the concern that I have were you know where I and obviously like Veen and um and Robert Hassel went ahead of him uh but even for me like Pete Crow Armstrong who who I would have ahead of uh Austin Hendrick just because I've you know seen some seen some swing and miss and, and pitch recognition concerns uh with Hendrick that that give me some give me some pause uh with him but you know, look if he can keep that swing and miss rate to uh, to a manageable level um, you know the the upside is is obvious here
0: especially putting him in that ballpark you know that's that's, that's not gonna hurt of, yeah yeah that's not gonna hurt at all um, probably one of the more interesting picks uh, one of the more we're gonna get to the the most unexpected soon but one of the most unexpected picks in the first round simply because of you know what they already have in the system was the giants take Patrick Bailey uh pick 13. And I say this because 2 years ago the giants took Joey Bart, you know, with their first round pick, a uh, very high first round pick. Joey Bart's one of the two, you know, one of the two best uh prospects in the system right now, not that far away from the big leagues, which oh yeah, by the way, they have one of the great catchers of the 21st century at the big league level, Buster Posey. They do love their catchers, but but, Ben, are you – again, we always talk about you don't draft for need. Are you shocked by this? Are you mildly surprised or amused by this? Or are you like, yeah, I, I see it?
1: It definitely kind of raised my eyebrow as to why they, they made the pick. Like you said, you don't want to draft for, for need in the draft. But, like, it, it, it is catcher, right? Like, you're – it's – you know, you draft a, a shortstop, like – you know, like the Blue Jays took Austin Martin, they're calling him a shortstop. Well, they have Bo they have a lot of their shortstops, but, you know, you can move Austin Martin to other positions. With catchers, you know, especially like Bart and Patrick Bailey, like their their value is tied to them staying behind the plate. So if if this was a case where like, you know, Patrick Bailey was like by far the best player available on the board at the time, then, okay, yeah, I would, I would see that that would make more sense to me, but it was definitely, yeah, definitely at least piqued my interest as to why they would take him when they do have uh, Joey Bart there, when it's not like, wow, Patrick, it's not like Patrick Bailey is like Adley Rushman, right? Like (laughs) if he's available, you you, you take him. You don't care. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. You don't, you don't care who else you have uh, in, in the farm system, but here, yeah, this was a, this one, Caught my caught my eye.
0: Um, I, I would say with it, the other thing to me is is like I, I do I do think immediately of an example where this actually worked out. The Reds took Devin Mesoraco, high school catcher, admittedly, but high school catcher, first round in two thousand seven. Two years later, they take Yasmani Grandal, college catcher out of Miami, first round in two thousand nine. So they kind of had this log jam. They and it effectively resolved itself because they ended up trading Rundahl away when they were kind of making their, their kind of that playoff push they were doing. They, uh, you know, he had value for them. And he's obviously both of those players ended up being big league regular catchers as career shortened pretty significantly by injuries or got derailed, I guess would be a better way to put it by injuries. Rundall has been a, uh, a long time catcher, you know, a very successful one. Um, so it can work out like, again, you, you know, but to me, much as we talked about with Roma, I'm a little bit skeptical on Bailey's bat, you know, and, and that's the thing is to me, although admittedly, drafting a college catcher for their gloves is a little different than drafting a high school catcher for their gloves. But that took us to, we had heard a lot of rumblings earlier in the week about Aaron Sabato maybe being a kind of a, a, an interesting college, a little bit of higher, uh, going higher than expected to the Rangers at 14. Then... Today, we heard a little bit of Wednesday. We heard a little bit of rumbling. Maybe it would be Justin Foskey instead, and that's exactly what happens. Justin Foskey, Mississippi State, second baseman, one of the better college bats in the class, goes to the Rangers at 14, which one thing I just noticed, you do our Rangers list. You've done it for a long time, Ben. Is that a little bit of a change of uh, approach for Texas?
1: Um, you know, they took Josh Young. Uh, Last year, so another guy who's like a a bat first college player who they took a little bit higher than they expected, but you know, I I don't, I you know, look, we we've seen what has happened with the Rangers when they draft pitchers um, in in recent years; it has not gone well for them. So I I am not surprised that they uh, went away from that route.
0: Um, I do think again, Foskey can really hit. Uh SEC middle infielders is a, a pretty good demographic to live in. And uh and so we'll you know we'll see how that pays off. But yeah, maybe I, I probably probably more accurately say is, is that we saw the shift last year and they're they're kind of going a little bit more with the, the more closer to the big leagues kind of uh college-ready bats. So that then takes it to one of my other favorite picks in this in this first round. The Phillies take Mick Abel at 15. Uh, I think that Nick is, I think that this was one of the better picks in the first round. And yes, I absolutely know that high school right-handers is a risky demographic, um, pretty perennially risky demographic. That said, I think part of that comes back to, well, why are you drafting the guy in the first round? And if you're drafting him in the first round for present massive stuff, especially fastball, that's probably a little bit, con, you know, the concerning because the guys who we've seen kind of the success stories. I would say most recently, uh, Jack Flaherty, like Soroka, guys like that who've been first-round picks. It's often been the guys who have some projectability, some feel for pitching, and then their stuff just keeps getting better. I think that Abel is a guy who has that. Like he already his stuff already gotten really good. A 94, 97 on fastball, but he's really more of a pitcher of the slider the change up i would say are uh, are kind of more of the weapons for him especially the slider than the fastball he's kind of added a curveball again he's to really show it this year i just think that at 15 the upside here is pretty massive but also i think he's a little bit more polished a little bit more projectable a little bit less risky than your typical uh you know first uh college first high school pitcher off the board Nothing against the Jared Kellys and Justin Langs of the world. But, again, to me, like if, if you said, what is the high school pitcher that I want from the first round of this class, Nick Abel, then the Cubs turn around and get the best defensive shortstop in the class and also essentially hometown uh, hero in Ed Howard at pick 16, Ben. Like, you know, that's a uh, probably the upper end for Howard, but a, a very good landing spot for him. that has got to be thrilled for him and the Cubs that the, the hometown kid or the home state kid stays there.
1: Yeah, if I'm the Cubs, I'm I'm pumped about that one. I mean, to get the top high school shortstop in the country um, in the middle of the first rounds, i uh, be very, very happy about that one. Uh, really like Ed Howard's actions on uh, both sides of the ball. I th- obviously, his defense gets a lot of attention. You can see it's, it's just really smooth, really fluid actions uh, there. His hands, his feet work well. Uh, quick transfer, uh, very, very comfortable at shortstop. You're, you have a very sure bet uh, or a very high probability bet, I should say, that he uh, he stays at shortstop and is going to be able to defend his position well. Uh, and then I, I look at him, you know, the attributes that he has as a hitter, uh, you know, af, you know he's athletic in, in the box. Um, I, I like his swing. Uh, he's got good strength projection to him. I think there's a chance he can hit for some power too, um, you know, I know there was a, a bit of a split camp on 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 him from the scouts that we talked to um, on on Ed Howard. I, I think some of that is probably just beyond his control, right? Like playing in, uh, you know, playing in Chicago, playing high school baseball there, uh, not getting to play uh, this season, not getting to go to like the tournament of stars and uh, kind of prove himself more against some of the the top arms that. Uh, you know, could have been there. In, in front yeah, of the NHSI, of,
0: you mean? Yeah, NHSI. Or yeah,
1: excuse me, the NHSI. Um, so I, I, I think, um, yeah, uh, t- to get him there, and then, you know, whenever, whenever the international signing period starts, uh, you know, Christian Hernandez, Dominican shortstop, who, you know, you know we were kind of – I was debating or, or just, you know, talking with Carlos, who would we take, Ed, Ed, Ed Howard versus uh, Christian Hernandez, who's, you know, for a lot of people – uh, the the top, uh, you know, Dominican shortstop, maybe the top international prospect in, in this year's class. I think it's a, it's at least debatable who who you would take. So to be able to add those two really uh, high upside shortstops has uh, got to be pretty exciting for the Cubs.
0: I, the, I was talking to GM earlier this week who, you know, we were talking and saying, so who do we think is the, the, the player who is most hurt by the early shutdown? And I said Garrett Crochet because he'd thrown three innings, but, his answer was Ed Howard because, as you said, he just didn't have the chance to, uh, to you know, to, to make a difference. He didn't show what he could do because he never really got on the field. Okay, that gets us to pick 17. The surprise of the first round. I would say not only the surprise of the first round, but, you know, we've had other picks like this. One of the surprises of the first round really of the decade. Uh, you know, again, now I want to acknowledge on that Nick, Nick York going 17 this year is a little different than when we talk about uh, Jensen going to the Cubs or Corey Lee to the Astros or uh,
1: Hayden Simpson or
0: Hayden Simpson. Okay. That's a biggie. Uh, Hayden Simpson going to the Cubs a while back. Uh, Taylor Ward to the Angels. You know, I would say it's harder to say this year surprises are full surprises because we didn't have a full season. I mean, if you look at our write-up, we had York ranked 96. Our write-up says, starting the first sentence of it is many scouts on the west coast. Many scouts on the west coast considered York the best prep hitter on the west coast. That's a pretty strong start to any report, you know. The hit tool is the most important tool and Nick York has it. Now that said, the reason we had him 96 was because there's defensive questions. He's a second baseman who has had some shoulder problems. And there is some thought that maybe second base isn't his his long-term home. Uh, There's a question about whether he'll end up in a outfield corner maybe or something. There's gonna have to be a lot of reliance on the bat that said, the Red Sox, this is not them punting the pick, this is not them doing anything like that, as was a very initially suggested until in the broadcast. This is the Red Sox really believing in the bat and thinking they didn't think that he'd necessarily be there when they pick a game because they don't pick to the third round. All that being said, Ben, you know, if you don't have a second round pick, is the approach you do to take the guy who is the best combination of on your team's board, your board, talent plus asking price? Or would you would you probably take a guy with a higher asking price, but maybe a little bit higher up on the board?
1: Yeah, th- this was definitely – I mean, we talked about, like, you know, the Orioles, what they did at, at pick number two, you know, going a little bit off, off what we expected, uh, but still obviously landing one of the most talented hitters in the draft uh, with this one, this was way more, like, I don't think anybody, we thought he was going. I uh, thought Nick York was going in, in the first round. It's, it's, it's really unusual, and it's, it's a tough one to kind of react to right away on draft night because we just, I think we have more questions about it than answers right now. I mean, I, I like, you know, pure hitters. I, I think York. You do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, that's York potentially. It's got a good swing. Um,
0: it's a really good swing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like his swing. Um, but at, at 17 overall, when, when you don't have a second round pick um, you know, they pick again at 89th overall, we had York at, at 96 on on the BA 500. I mean, he, he might've been around <laughs> when, when the Red Sox picked again. Um, but I, I, I just – I don't quite know – I don't have enough information yet to uh, know what to make of this one other than it was, it was definitely the biggest surprise of, of the night. I,
0: the thing to me is, is I just look at it, and if I've got my choice and I can take Pete Crow Armstrong or I can take Nick York, which by the way, PCA also can hit, you know, and also is a really good – you know, has a lot of defensive value in center field as well. I I just I struggle with that. My my thing is is that if you don't have a second round pick, I again I expect that this will when we find the deal that he'll sign for under slot, they'll save him money. But I don't want to save money so that I have more money to spend in the third round. By the time I get around to the third round, having more money to spend is still useful, but it's not the same as The Orioles saying, okay, so what we're going to do here at 30 and 39 and then with the second pick in the third round and and all that. It's, you know, to me, I I will, the, the credit I will give on this is, is that this is a very confident pick. We always talk about teams really do, they should have conviction, you know, in their, you know, in their board, in their beliefs. This is a pick that does that. We'll see how it works out. I would also say, generally to me, you know, again, it's a weird season. Uh, uh, Red Sox officials made the point last night on a you know on a press conference, which I thought was a good point. If we were, if the season, if the 2015 season had shut down four weeks in, Andrew Benatendi would have maybe been the hundredth pick in the uh, draft that year, and look where he turned out because he kept getting to show what he could do. They really are confident that a healthy Nick York, which he wasn't last year, getting to show what he could do all season, would have really risen up draft boards. That said, it's a, it's a gutsy pick because it's not consensus. It's one of those picks where, put it this way, if you take Pete Ro Armstrong there and it doesn't work out, you are, you are in the comfort of the masses. This is a pick where they, they took a step out. We'll see how it works out. Um, that gets us to... 18. The D-backs had two picks today, or Wednesday, because it's now Thursday, but two picks. They take a pair of college pitchers. They take, uh, oh, my mind, number? Bryce Jarvis, and then they take Slade Chicone with their supplemental first round pick, a pair of college pitchers. Jarvis, one of the other, I would say, big risers of the shortened season. He was he may have been the best – you know, he was one of the best college pitchers of the first uh, four weeks of the season, which is all we got. You know, now the, the thing we didn't get to see was can he maintain it. But, change, you know, it, it, it's a really good pitch mix. The velo, which was already not bad, it picked up this year. Again, I, I look at that, and Ciccone, the D-backs already had a deep system. It's getting deeper. That's a, That's something where I give it a – I give those two picks thumbs up because it also matches – Meshes as well with the rest of what they have. But that, I'm, I'm going to talk about that because I'm kicking it to you for the Mets because you already said if you had your choice at 12 and you were picking for the Reds, you would have taken Pete Crow Armstrong. So I imagine at 19, you think that's some good value for the Mets.
1: Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of, of Pete Crow Armstrong. Um, you know, we talked about those that group of high school outfielders. I mean, we, we think back to it was less than a year ago. We had Pete Crow Armstrong as the number one high school player in, in this draft class. And then, you know, in kind of an up-and-down summer last year, I, I think, hurt him. Uh, there's, there's never been any questions about him defensively. He's, you know, premium position and, and a premium defender at it. I mean, I, he's got a chance to be a, a plus or better defender in center field, quick first step off the bat, reads, reactions, uh, instincts uh excellent athleticism and and speed covers a lot of ground uh can make the highlight real plays in in center field uh so you have that uh potentially elite defender in center field and you know i remember seeing him he's on the younger end of of the draft class too Uh, i remember seeing him play for the usa collegiate national team uh in 2018 for the first time and uh you know what i actually really liked about him at that time was was his hitting ability uh, he showed really good back control ability to uh, square up all types of pitches, fastballs, uh, breaking balls, stayed back on well, uh, was able to, to adjust to those um, a pretty good back to ball skills. Um, not a huge power guy, but um, you know, I, I thought he was a guy who could potentially hit toward the the top of the lineup, uh, be a really good hitter and and be an impact defender in, in center field. So um, you know, I, 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 it's certainly Austin Hendrick has, has more power, but uh, I think uh, Pete Crow Armstrong gives you more uh, defensive value and, and, Absolutely. Is, and I think is a better pure hitter as well. Um, he doesn't have, uh, you know, Zach Veen's uh, raw power and I, he's probably not as good of a pure hitter right now as Robert Hassel, but uh, he has more defensive value. He plays a more valuable position um, and, and plays better, you know, plays his position better than, than both those guys. So, I look at a guy who can, you know, give you plus defense in the middle of the diamond uh, and a guy who's, who's bad. I really like where I think, you know, it's, it's easy for me to say like, Oh yeah. Like if the season had played, I think he would have moved up. Uh, But, you know, obviously we don't know what would have happened.
0: He he was having some helium too. Like he had had a a kind of a rough, you know, part to his summer last year, I think, but there was definitely some forward momentum that he was having. And I I agree with you that if you'd had a, a full season, there's a very decent chance that he would have ended up back up in the top ten, which is a range that he was in at one point. As you, as yeah. You so,
1: so for the Mets to get him at what was it, 19 overall? Mm-hmm. 19. Um, I I love that. I love that value for. Um, I love that value for the Mets. I, I think that's a great pick for them.
0: At 20, the uh, the Brewers take one of the wild cards of the first round. UCLA center fielder Garrett Mitchell. Um, Mitchell is. One of the best, maybe the best athlete in the who was taken on, on day one of the draft. 80 runner, defensive value, there's athleticism. It's all going to come down to the hit tool. And that's, you know, again, the thing about it is, is he's been productive in college too. So this is a pick that has at least a chance that we could look back on and go, how did that guy fall to 20? Now. This also could be the pick that we go, uh, you know, I, I would, oh, help me, Ben. Who was the California outfielder uh, uh, a few years ago? Center fielder. Had all the tools but never could hit. Struck. Brett Jackson. Okay. Know. Yeah. We, we, you know, I, I hope he's better. You know, I hope that does not work out that way for him either. But you could. I mean, there's some risk here. He doesn't strike out as much. as but, um, but there is some risk here. But at 20, to me, the upside, the, the the evaluation becomes a whole lot easier. You know, we 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 have them, I believe, six or seven on our BA 500. Like we really, Carlos. I, I wish Carlos could be on this because Carlos Colazo is an absolute 100% Garrett Mitchell believer. Um, but you know, again, at pick 20, to me, there's a lot of value in that pick. 21. Uh, I don't remember. Did you get to see Jordan Walker last uh, last summer? In, in I saw I saw him
1: play at the, the MLB high school all star game. Uh, so I saw him uh, I saw him play there.
0: So what did you think? The Cardinals at twenty one take uh, Decatur, Georgia, my home my home state. Uh, third baseman Jordan Walker.
1: You know, I there, there's definitely like a split camp on Jordan Walker, right? You have this third baseman who's already six foot five, long arms, uh, big power. So you, you kind of know the the profile right like you're gonna get big power but you're gonna get some uh swing and miss with it and and you on levers yeah you, you hope that he can uh just keep that swing and miss and check because you know there's just going to be some of it in there just enough for that power to play and I I don't know <laughs> uh I, I I could see him kind of going either way where I I thought maybe he would even go a little bit lower in the draft and and who knows maybe go to uh, go to college, go to Duke, uh, and then you know be a potential top five overall pick uh, if he if he really rakes uh, in college. I don't think that's going to happen now, uh, but um, you probably know, not. I, no, no. I, I but I, I you know but I could see. I don't know to be honest. I, I just don't know. Um, I could see it going either way. I, I see the the obvious upside, but but I also see the uh, the risks there there too.
0: The other thing I'll say with them is, is I do like, I I like this pick better because it's the Cardinals, because I really do have some confidence in the Cardinals uh, player development system. They do a very good job of, of developing guys. I mean, they just have had, you know, we, we always call it, there's some of Cardinals devil magic. They, uh, they manage to take guys and guys seem to get better in that system pretty regularly. And so that's a a good sign for him. Uh, Pick 22 you know, if it's the Nationals and you say a college arm, you're you're probably going to have a, a pretty good shot
1: with some injury history. history too.
0: Yes, yes, you do. That's that's true too. They they none of these things uh, dissuade them. Uh, you know, but they take Cade Cavalli, the Oklahoma right hander. By the way, Oklahoma by <laughs> excuse me, but by uh, by by the end of uh, this draft, we may have heard several. We may have we may have seen the entire Oklahoma weekend rotation be drafted but Kate Cavalli goes first of that group. I would say that this is also, Cavalli is a little bit of a split camp guy as well, um, just because like the results haven't always matched the really, really, you know, very interesting stuff. We'll see how that goes, um, you know, but at the same time, when you talk about it, if you're asking from a value perspective, wouldn't have shocked any of us, you know, I know and talk to Carlos in the lead up to the draft, if you'd have said Cavalli had gone six, eight spots earlier than this, it wouldn't have blown us away. So I think it's fair to say that there is some value at where the Nationals got uh, Cavalli here, you know, and, you know, we'll, we'll see how it turns out. The Indians then, who had two picks today, uh, take Cole Tucker's younger brother, Carson Tucker, who... Much like his brother was a uh a fast rising uh high school, you know, middle infielder. I, again like the, the parallels, he didn't get to go to NHSI and kind of uh blow up there like his his brother did, but still got you know, still was definitely a guy with a lot of helium. And then they follow that up with 36 pick, uh second to last pick of the second round, first round. They take Tanner Burns, who is probably one of the, like, safest is not the right word. I think read is is a safer uh, pitcher. Um, when, when we did our staff mock uh, and Chris Trenkel uh, took, uh, took Tanner Burns as part of a, a trend, we kind of made the joke that, you know, like that, that Chris's uh, favorite ice cream flavor, much like mine, is vanilla. That, that's the way to put it with Tanner Burns. And I don't mean that in any way in a negative, because I would say like Tanner Burns, has been one of the best pitchers in the sec you hand him the ball on Friday night and Auburn had a generally, you know, had a pretty good chance to win um, pretty regularly. I mean, he's that kind of guy just doesn't have, it's probably more of a back end starter. It's a, it's more of a guy who does a lot of things pretty well rather than does, you know, a number of things exceptionally well. But, so it's an interesting yin and yang, because I would say that, that that Tucker is kind of the, the higher upside guy and fits very much things that Cleveland likes to do. And then Burns gives them. The thing I'll say with that is, is like when I talk about Walker, I like to pick for the Walker with the Cardinals. I love to hear that a guy without exceptional stuff, but really knows how to control and command, it gets taken by the Indians because that was Shane Bieber. And
1: going to say the same name.
0: And the Indians said, "Allah," and they, you know, and all of a sudden Shane Bieber threw harder with the same control and command and that made Shane Bieber a really good Major League starter. So if they can do the same thing to Tanner Burns, that will be a great pick. at the last, second to last pick on the supplemental first. Which then takes us to the Rays at 24, who Nick Bitsko is one of those, I reclassified into in the class, one of the three, I'd say one easily in the consensus of the top three, maybe in the top two, uh, top three, I'd say top three, prep arms in the class, a lot of thought, a lot of rumblings before the draft started that maybe he slides into that supplemental round to get an overslot deal to one of those teams. Instead, the Rays nav him at 24. And this is something the Rays are happy to shop in the prep pitcher uh, aisle, and they've done it pretty well in, in some cases. But but Ben, what do you think about Bitsko going to uh, to Tampa at 24?
1: Yeah, like you said, he's kind of the wild card here, and and not like not only did he reclassify, but like you know, like Blaze Jordan reclassified, but he did it early on, so like everybody saw him at like the you know Under Armour All America, you know these All America games, they saw him all summer. Um, Nick Bitsko did not, you know, he he reclassified later on, and, and reclassified he
0: expect- basically after the summer showcase season
1: yeah so all right well all right well let's go see him in in the spring we saw him a little bit at Oops. like east coast pro i got to see him um with the usa 17u team uh last year at wrigley field i mean if you see the video on our site of him uh you know carving up uh brady house and some of the other top 20 21 pitchers um you know i was there to see that uh big arm but just like man there's Especially high school pitching this year is there's so much unknown. than you throw in that you know Bitsco didn't really you know you don't really get to see him on some you know video and uh, we know there was Trackman or Rap Soto data uh, on him a little bit, um, but uh, you know especially for him not getting able to pitch there's so much so much risk and so much risk already with with high school pitching in the first round. But you know we're not talking about taking him with to a top ten overall pick to get him. Later in the draft, uh, if, if you're the Rays, um, yeah, I, I, I can see why, why he went there. And, and obviously the Rays seem to have uh, uh, an eye and somewhat of a magic touch with, uh, with pitchers.
0: Rays at 25 take left-hander Jared Schuster from Wake Forest. I think we had him like 42, 43 on our BA 500, so a little bit above that. But at the same time, College, college pitchers often go a little bit above, uh, you know, where we rank them because there's they're in demand for for that exact reason. I am a little interested by this pick because the Braves. When I look at again, you don't draft for need. I do think there is some value here, but I also thought there was some value here, uh, you know, potentially, you know, with with some bats as well. Um, I think that they, you know, when you look at what they have, they have a pretty set lineup right now, but that they have more pitching than they have position players in their in their system. Although they did take Shay Langolier's and Braden Shoemaker last year. So they did get some college bats last year. Um is another one of those guys, much like when we talk about Bryce Jarvis, who's just kind of taken steps forward. Although in Schuster's case, I would say it's a little higher, a little lower upside. It's more of that. He really has, you know, it's, it's, it's really good secondary offerings, uh, a good, not great fastball, but Again, at pick 25, you're kind of looking at it as, ah, we're gonna get a solid mid to back of the mid, you know, a three or maybe a four, maybe even a five, number five starter, which it's, it turns out that it's good value at, at that pick. Um, that led though into the A's pick, which goes up, they went in a very different direction. And one that I didn't see them kind of going to, but it worked out, I think, pretty well for them. We had uh, heard Tyler Soderstrom as high as nine. Um, coming into the draft so to see him on the board at 26 Kyle Glazer for us is reporting that they, he is expected to sign a well above slot deal which kind of helps explain maybe how he gets to 26 but but Ben what's your what are your thoughts on on catcher Tyler Soderstrom
1: yeah so you know you, you were talking earlier about the the risk with high school catchers when you were talking about uh, Drew Romo mm-hmm, yeah. and, and and I think you know Soderstrom is a certainly a different kind of catcher uh, than, than Drew Romo. I mean, with, with yeah, this Jeremy. is the
0: kind that I don't think is risky. I, I like the, this kind.
1: So that, that's where I'm not so sure about. I mean, I, I do, I do like that. Um, you know, I, I do like the, you know, the the bat potential that he brings, but I, you know, and I think Kyle Glazer did some, you know, did the research on this to kind of open my eyes to, uh, you know, we always think about the risk of high school pitching, but uh, the, the risk of high school catching is – is the, the track record is pretty bleak <laughs> on, on, oh, uh, I, I, on those I think, guys.
0: I think of him – I would describe him as a Will Myers type to me. And what I mean by that is, is mm. like, I don't expect – could be wrong. I don't expect we'll ever see Soderstrom catch a big league game. I think you're drafting him here – and if you took them nine, it was for the bat. And then the catching is maybe this like added bonus. But I, again, I'm, I'm much more inclined, you know, uh, Kevin Parada, who will probably go, you know, pretty high tomorrow as well. I look at these as bats who also have some chance to catch. I guess we could really say the same about Austin Wells, who was taken, we're going to be talking about soon too. But I'm okay more with that than I am the, because I agree with you, the track record is bad on high school catchers. But to me, if you're taking the bat and then you want to see, oh, maybe he can catch, I'm less I'm less worried about that because really you're taking a hitter because you think the hit tools, you know, the hitting ability is really good. And you have some positional versatility to go with it. But we'll see. You know, and so then that takes us to uh, the Twins at 27. And they take North Carolina first baseman Aaron Sabato. Um, which we'd heard Sabato, uh, you know, there's rumors of a potential out of a deal, but we'd heard rumors as high as 14. One of the more productive uh, college bats in the class. And at 27, you know, you're, you're again, you're, you're looking at a productive college hitter. One of the most productive college hitters in the class, uh, catches up to Velo, squares up most everything. You're not getting a whole lot of defensive value. I, I would I would describe this as, um, CJ Crone went, I think, 15 one year. Uh, I would say this is kind of a CJ Crone type pick, and again, I would say that worked out, pre- you know, reasonably well, pretty well. He's been a, a solid, productive player. Back in the first round, solid, productive players is is pretty useful. The Yankees, though, I, I think took a little bit of a bigger swing. We'll see if Austin Wells. This is uh, back to, back to the catcher bin, but we'll see if Austin Wells can catch. I do think though that that more they're going for his bat, and then we'll see if he can catch. But they did, I believe, I think, right, then they announced him as a catcher.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I think, the, and the Yankees are an organization that uh, I think they have a very high belief in their ability to develop a, a, a defensive catcher. I mean, Gary Sanchez, you know, he, he doesn't have Gary Sanchez's arm or anything like that, but, uh, and, and obviously it's different when you're signing a kid at 16 years old. But um, when, when he signed, he was pretty rough. Uh, defensively I think the Yankees think that um, you know they have uh, you know an ability to to really improve their catchers defensively I I think probably a lot of organizations do that but or or think that they do that so uh, we'll see yeah but I I mean I think overall just in terms of his overall value I I think this this fits for where we uh, pretty much expected him to, to go in terms of his just his overall talent level
0: I would completely agree with that. The other thing I'll notice, when we talk about Patrick Bailey going, you know, the uh, the Yankees drafted uh, Anthony Siegler not that long ago um, at uh, you know first you know catcher. So you know, there's another team doing it here. We're almost there. Uh, so pick 29. Uh, the Dodgers take Louisville right-hander Bobby Miller. I, if it's okay, Ben. I'm going to take this one because I'm a Bobby Miller fan. Um, I do think that this is a uh, Maybe he ends up as a reliever. I think there's not a decent chance he ends up a reliever. Although you absolutely give him every chance to start. And we talk about player development. If I'm picking organizations that can develop a guy with these kind of these tools and see where he can take him, I like that the Dodgers are the team taking Bobby Miller because I do look at that and say, yeah, they're probably going to do a pretty good job of, of getting the most out of what what he can do. I, I do also think with him, you're talking about another guy. If we were talking coming into the season, I don't think we would have seen Bobby Miller go in the first round, came out and really was, uh, especially in his best outings, really impressive. You know, his best outings were, were clear first round talent. Um, didn't get to show that he could do that over a full season. No one did. Literally no one did. But so that's something that is, you know, still maybe a little bit of question. Also, you got to say, you know, he's another, another Louisville, second Louisville pitcher to be taken in the first round this year. But Louisville obviously has a pretty lengthy track record of, uh, of producing quality pitchers and a track record pretty good. And so that does get us to uh, the back of the first round. I think, oh, and there are, uh, I think we did leave out that the Rays also took Alika Williams, uh, shortstop of Arizona State which maybe was a little bit higher than uh than than we thought that he was going to go um the defense is is really impressive we'll see how much the hit tool you know again they're going to maybe develop the hit tool the, the hitting ability a little bit but overall that is 29 teams analysis of 29 teams the Astros we will uh circle back to but they haven't picked yet and so Ben, before we wrap this up, I, I did want to let T you up on this because I know this is something you're interested in. For day two, is it fair to say that you are very interested to see how some of this, especially this high school talent, goes off the board?
1: Yeah, I think there's a really – and it's a shame that the draft is only five rounds this year. because there's It is a shame. There's so many high school pitching prospects that I look at who are still on the board. Obviously, I think Jared Kelly is going to get the most – uh attention just just given his pedigree uh so above yeah yeah but like there's just so many guys that I'm, I'm just sort of curious how they all um kind of who gets picked how they all shake up like yeah like it, it's kind of like i could very reasonably see um them going in a whole bunch of different orders just depending on uh, pickier pick your flavor kind of guys i mean I, I really like you know victor medeiros is out there alex santos is available uh, you know, Markevian, hence, uh, Alejandro Rosario. Um, you know, those are just like a you know a handful of the the guys I really like. But you know, Jared Jones. Uh, they're, they're, you know, there's there's a whole bunch of Mason
0: Win. I'm a Mason Win guy. Oh, Mason Win,
1: absolutely. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you on Mason Win. So. There's a ton of high school pitching.
0: I, I, um, want, I want to hear Tink's name. I want to hear his it. Tink hence. You know, that's, that's just one of the best names in the draft. And also, yeah, I well.
1: love the, you know, the arm speed, the, the feel for spin. The, I mean, I think he's – he already throws hard. I think he can throw even harder even though he's not that big of a guy. So, uh, pretty electric arm. So, there, there's just a whole bunch of guys like that where um, I'd be pretty excited and hopefully as, as many as possible. Um,
0: Again, I, I wonder if some of them aren't going to get taken because they're just going to go to school now. Yeah. But, you know, it's a different draft this year. But we are going to wrap this up. It is 1.30-ish in the morning on the East Coast where we both are, so, uh, and we have another day of draft to go. But this has been fun. Thank you, Ben. You know, it's been fun to kind of go through, uh, you know, 29 teams. And this is what, I mean. We love it. Yeah. This is why, I mean, it's really weird that we haven't, like, I'm, I'm kind of sad as we sit here. Because you're talking about when we saw these guys at Under Armour and we saw these guys at, you know, USA Baseball, and we saw these guys at all these events, and I'm going, oh, you know, we're not getting to see these guys. Like, we're not getting to see the class of 2021, you know. And you know, so it's really a little bit – I mean, I'm, I'm coming down a little bit off my uh, draft day high right now. But, but it has been fun, and it's been a lot of fun. It was a wild – to me, a very wild first round Everyone made it interesting. I mean, again, there was some interesting picks right away. It's a great draft. So we're gonna be very interested to see what happens in day two. Check it all out, baseballamerica.com. There really is more stuff than you probably can read in preparation for day two. We we will keep you busy all day if you have the time. Um, you if you haven't subscribed, baseballamerica.com slash shop dash now, and you can click that and it will give you all the options to subscribe both to the digital, uh, to the online, you know, so you get all, all of our content. You also can get an, you know, do that. You get the app, which also gives you a digital of the magazine. Or if you like the print magazine, you can also subscribe and get that because it is really good. And we're finishing up our next issue, which is a whole lot of Ben Badler content in it. So you'll love that. But for Ben Badler, I'm JJ Cooper. Thank you, everybody.